If you've ever thought of quilting your own projects but just don't know where to start, I have the perfect first steps for you. I've put together a PDF guide. I call it Three Steps Toward Freehand Freedom. These are the baby steps, but they can help you move past your overwhelm and show you that yes indeed, freehand quilting can be learned. So if you'd like to snag this PDF, there's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me three steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started. Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast where we hear quilters and other crafters' stories and draw encouragement and even life lessons from them. Today's guest is Chris Acton, and she's a weaver, so I'm really looking forward to her stories. I'm your host, Susan Smith, coming to you from my quilting studio, Stitched by Susan. This is where my long arm, Lucy, and I spend our days doing freehand, edge-to-edge quilting. Now, if you're not a quilter and those terms mean nothing to you, it's basically doodling on the surface of a quilt with a 50-pound writing utensil with needle and thread attached at high speed. And if you are a machine quilter, I have a couple of options that I think would interest you. I invite you to tune in to the live and unscripted events hosted on my YouTube channel, also called Stitched by Susan. These are streamed live the first and third Friday of every month. And in them, I complete a project in my studio and you get to look over my shoulder as I load, as I make thread choices and decisions about the quilting, and basically just get a bird's eye view of the whole process. So especially if you're a beginning long arm quilter, I think you would find these super helpful. I also have an all over feather class suitable for both long arms and domestic machine quilting. And these are all about the all-over meandering feather. Quilted feathers are always eye-catching, whether they're simple and basic or whether they're elaborate and ornate. They're always so beautiful. So in this free class, I will show you how to achieve the graceful flowing feathers that you aspire to. From the basic feather shape, to even coverage across the whole quilt, to avoiding awkward corners or customizing the little details. It's all here and I'll walk you through it and demo the quilting step by baby step. So for access to that class, just head to my website and a registration form will pop up, stitchedbysusan.com. Today's Pins and Needles is brought to you by The Will and Dave Show. Hi, I'm the Will half of The Will and Dave Show, a short little podcast that myself and the eponymous Dave like to record talking about the things that really matter to us, whether that's social, political, or pop culture. Usually we don't see eye to eye, but more often than not, we can find some common ground in there somewhere. And now, back to Pins and Needles, with a quick tip for all you sharp quilters out there. I have a challenge for you. Have you ever entered any of your crafty projects in a show? And if not, why not? A wise quilter said to me in the early years of my quilting, she asked me, what are quilt shows without entries? And I've never forgotten that because it's all too easy to think that it's only about the ribbon winners and why bother even entering if I'm not likely to win a ribbon. But the truth is, when we go to shows, we admire all kinds of projects, not just the big ribbon winners. So I encourage you, show off something of what you've done, something that you're proud of this year. And also, 
get out there and see what other people have done. So if you don't care to go to things in person, lots and lots of artistic crafty shows are available online. So both enter some things and get out there and see what other people are working on. It's so inspiring. You know I love my coffee. If you are interested in supporting this podcast, it's very simple. You can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash stitched by Susan. There for the price of a delicious coffee, you're able to make a one-time contribution. I thank you so very much for your support. It really does help Dave and I to produce an ever better podcast for you. So maybe take a moment now to refill your cup as you settle back to enjoy today's interview. My guest today is Chris Acton. She is a multifaceted crafter, but her particular love is weaving. So I am really looking forward to learning more about this craft, which I have never done. So join me as we settle in for a visit. Chris, welcome to the studio. So glad to have you here. Thank you so much. Um, It's going to be a lot of fun. I think so too. So you are a little different from my usual crafter. Most often I have quilters on the show, but you are a weaver and I've been, uh, buffing up on some of your YouTube videos and kind of getting acquainted with what it is you do in some of the terms. So tell me a little bit about your craft or maybe how you got drawn into that. Sure. Absolutely. Yes. There's weavers are kind of a, um, a small, but mighty crowd. That's for sure. There aren't a lot of us around. Uh, and I grew up, uh, always doing crafty things. My grandmother was a home ex teacher and therefore my mom always had us making things. So I grew up loving making anything with my hands. And, and I, as I got older, then I studied uh, music in college and interior design. And I went off into the world thinking I need to have a real job. So I uh, worked in the corporate world in uh, facilities, kind of the interior design or the design part of it, I guess. And, um, and it was fine. My job was fine, but I just didn't love it. It was just mm-hmm. not bringing me a lick of joy. That's for sure. So I started to look around for something to really get me excited. And my parents are both retired teachers. So in our house, when you get bored or flustered or stuck, you take a class. So I looked around for, I need to learn a new skill. I need to kind of, uh, add a little excitement into my life. And, um, I, randomly stumbled onto a weaving class. Now I had always played with yarn. I had tried crocheting and knitting, and I've tried a little bit of quilting, of course, because grandma was a brilliant quilter. And, um, and I tried a lot of things, but I had never, I didn't even really know anything about weaving, but I knew that I loved yarn and I loved color and that was enough to take a class. And, uh, as I took, uh, many years of classes then, it occurred to me that I could do this all day long and never get sick of it. And that is really what led to me leaving my corporate job and taking the jump and uh, working towards being a weaver full time and making that really following my passion in that way. I love that story. Years and years ago, I heard a piece of marriage advice, which was not um, marry the person that you think you can live with, but marry the person you think you can't live without. So it sounds like that was kind of your philosophy approach in weaving. Love it, love it. Yes. 
So yeah, I was you, you kind of touched on it, but I wanted to ask, what is it about weaving that that attracts you, that compels you? Is it the yarn and the feel of it? Is it the colors? Is it something else? You know what? It's funny when you look back over your life and you think, well, of course I'd be a weaver. I mean, <laughs> no one says that, of course, but but it is funny when I look back at uh, first of all, the experiences that led me here, as well as who I am kind of at the core. I am one of those people that when I take those like right brain, left brain tests, I'm always right in the middle. Like I, I love some math. I can do math, but I love color and creativity and mm -hmm. a little bit of breaking the rules and all of that stuff. So um, I think that um, I also attribute to I attribute my love of music, which really helps with that too. There's a certain rhythm that comes with weaving, as with quilting, I would imagine too. Yes. There's a certain kind of um, there's there's a mathematical side and 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 the rhythm to it, but also this fun, the color and the textures, and there's so much of it that I really love. And for me personally, I am one of those weavers that really enjoyed the color and texture side of it versus the pattern. I like the pattern side of it, but I've never been someone who had to do complicated patterns. For instance, my loom is a, a four shaft loom, which means that each yarn as you're threading it can go into one of four options. Okay. Well, they make looms that are eight shafts or 16 shafts or much more complicated. And I've never really felt the need to get a more complicated loom. Mine is is just fine for how um, how I want to weave and what kind of things I want to explore. So uh, it, it is it is kind of amazing looking back and saying, well, of course, weaving is a perfect fit for for me. Yeah, hindsight is always twenty twenty, isn't it? But I'm glad it you is. landed on it. And I'm curious because I do different crafts too, but not weaving. But do you do you use different types of yarn to create different textures or um, you know different types of fibers or is there similar things throughout a project? Tell me a little bit more about sort of the brass tacks of of weaving a project. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what I think is so amazing about weaving is that every weaver will have a different starting point, a different basis. Uh, for instance, I'll give you a for instance is that I love to work with cotton. Okay. That becomes my go-to yarn. And I have a style of cotton, it's called carpet warp, um, that I use for the basis of nearly every project that I do. Now, part of the reason I do that is for me, it was beneficial for me to get to know one fiber. And this particular fiber has a huge range of colors and isn't crazy expensive because when I was learning how to weave, you need a lot of yarn to weave. Yes. So that became an element mm -hmm. as part of it. Uh, but I also then got to know that one fiber really, really well. So then when I would add other fibers into it, I could better predict how it was going to all come together. That makes so, good sense. Like I said, I use a cotton for almost all of my warps, it's called. Uh, a warp is the yarn that goes through the loom versus a weft yarn is the yarn that'll be in the shuttle that's going back and forth. So those are the two kind of different um, names for the key yarns that you're going to use in a weaving project. And the big difference is, is that a warp yarn has to be okay under tension. You have to be able to pull it tight and keep it tight for the entire project. And not all fibers are perfect for that. Uh, cotton is a great one. Wool is another common one. Um, I have a friend who uses a lot of, it's called Tencel, which is 
a um, uh, it's a cellulose kind of fiber, but tencel is great because it has a great shine to it. Okay. Um, also uh, silk, uh, but those all, you know, how much do you want to spend on your project? What are you right. working towards? What kind of feel do you want? What is the end product going to be? Those are all factors that play into it. And that must play into a lot of crafts because so many of those are triggering the kinds of thoughts I ask when I'm making a quilt. You know, who is it for? What's its purpose going to be? Is it for a college kid getting dragged to and fro? Or is it, you know, a special (laughs) wedding thing or a wall hanging or a show quilt? So do you do you do a lot of your weaving for yourself or does it become gifts or is this something that you do um, as a business that you sell your projects? Very good question. Yes to all of them, really. It's, <laughs> Good. Uh, and isn't that funny how as you get into it, that becomes the answer. I, let's see, where do I start with that? I would say that as I was learning to weave, I thought, I love this. I'm going to sell stuff. That's what I thought. And, and I did that for a lot of years. And I still do. Uh, but I am kind of moving away from that. And what I decided for me was the best fit was um, handbags and home goods. I think a lot of weavers tend to lean towards, I'm going to make a scarf, which don't get me wrong. I love a scarf, but personally, I don't wear scarves. And so I thought, this doesn't seem like a great fit. I should and make a product. And one can certainly only I'm wear so many. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. So I thought, what do I really love? And I love a crossbody bag. And that's where I started with a messenger bag. And so for many years, I made uh, products that I would go to various art fairs and markets and sell. And um, and what I learned, and this is one of those things where you just don't know until, until you live through it, is that I don't love retail. That's what okay. I learned, is that I... Um, uh, while I can do it, it wasn't my passion. So I have started to move away from that and more into kind of the educational side of it. And because of the educational side of it, then I am doing more projects that um, show an example of something. Yes. Or if my um, if my students, if my audience are really curious about something, I'm like, great, let me put something on the loom so I can show you how it works. So, um, so that's been where quite a few of my projects have been going lately. Now, I do do some custom work and I did a very fun one for the holidays. A friend of mine had called me up and uh, one of the things that I really love doing is working with recycled materials. And weaving is a perfect vehicle for that, as is quilting. There's so, so many similarities. So what kind two. of recycled materials are you referring to? You know like what? actual one yarns favorite... undone from well, things? Is that what you mean? No, in my case, I like to work with old ties, old neckties. Okay. How do you so weave old like neckties? <laughs> right. Have you heard of like a, a rag rug? You've heard of that? Yes. Yes. That item. Same concept. Okay. So what happens in weaving is that you need to have, um, like I referred to before, your warp yarns go through the loom and they're tight and under tension. Okay. However, you can put whatever you want in the weft going the other direction. That makes sense. I can so, picture that now. Yeah. Yeah. So what I learned um, a while ago was that I could take apart ties, um, open it up, take out the guts, iron it flat, and then cut it into strips. And those could be incorporated into my weaving that can then be turned into something else. So for this particular custom project, 
we did uh, pillows for her entire family. So we took ties that belonged to her father-in-law. He was a lawyer and, and we made um, pillows using this recycled material then to, um, so it can live on and people can continue to appreciate uh, these special items from him. So, so in answer, that's a very long answer, but, but in answer to your question of how, um, what kind of items am I making? Uh, it's a little of everything. It's a little of, um, I still do retail through some stores and a little bit online. And then I certainly do more and more kind of to show an example, to make sure um, my students and my community can kind of learn the basics and then as well, um, some kind of personalized custom work too. That's great. That's a great answer. And I, I caught when you started talking about um, taking this kind of pivot into teaching, that's kind of where I am in my industry, hobby, craft too. And I found the same thing as you. I don't love selling. I don't love making quilts to sell. I think I've maybe sold two out of the dozens and dozens and dozens of quilts (laughs) I've made over the years. However, the process of teaching someone else your craft is so incredibly rewarding. So you have a YouTube channel. Do you have other platforms on which you teach too? Uh, Do you know what I do on Thursday mornings on Facebook? I do live at the loom. And it's a half an hour uh, little time for me to chat with my community and show them what's going on with the loom. So it's a little bit social, a little bit educational, a little bit just kind of checking in. How is everyone doing? So so those are the two main places. On uh, YouTube, I have a channel called Handwoven Experience. And it's a weekly video that I put out and it is geared towards beginning weavers. I decided a long time ago that that was really the person I wanted to chat with was that person just starting out. And weaving, as I mentioned before, is a big, broad world. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be someone who could help them cut through all of the information because there's a lot out there and really get them started. I can imagine. Because I always feel like if I can get you weaving, I'll get you hooked. You're hooked. I mean, exactly. Is, there's nothing like it. <laughs> Too funny. Yeah. Exactly that, like that's it. just true of crafts. So I have a question. And, and if you don't want to answer this one, you can say, but like how big is a loom and sort of how expensive is it to get in? Maybe give us a range for what looms might be beginner level and then sort of the artisanal type. Absolutely. That's a great question. As a matter of fact. Um, so looms can range from all sizes. There's a whole different, there's a whole, um, there's lots of different styles of looms, first of all. I mean, you could have a really basic loom. You could take a picture frame, and you could put some nails in it or little notches, and you can string it, and that is a loom. Fair enough. Okay. It, Price is right on that one. It could be just that basic. Yeah, it could be just that basic. It doesn't have to be complicated. However, if you want to kind of dip your toe into, I'll say, um, not quite multi-shaft, but if you want to really um, try... A, a little more advanced weaving, a great place to start is what's called a rigid heddle loom. And what those look like is they're typically, uh, they're anywhere from, let's say, eight inches to uh, maybe you can probably find them as big as 24 inches wide. And what happens is there's a little, there's a little, it's called a reed in it, and it has slots and holes in it. And the way you thread it then, you lift and lower that, and that separates the loom, or separates the yarns in okay. the loom, and that's how you get the space to throw the shuttle back and forth. And you could do a lot on rigid head of loom. Now, rigid head of loom could run you, 
I don't know, $100, $150, not bad. And you can so get them used, a great way to get your toe in the water, so to it's speak. A, exactly. That's a, that's exactly right. It's a great way to get kind addicted. of dip your toe in the pond and see if you like it. Now, I own two looms. I, um, I have a table loom, which sits on a table, and then I have a floor loom that sits on the floor. So when you think about kind of weavers from like history and that kind of thing, they're almost always working on a floor loom, some kind of big massive thing that has lots of moving parts and makes lots of noise. And my floor loom is a 36 inch wide, which means I can create fabric that is 36 inches in width. And then it can be as long pretty much as I want. And uh, I mentioned the four shaft earlier. It is a four shaft loom as well as my table loom. My table loom is uh, portable then. It sits on a table and it is about 15 inches in width. And uh, is also a four shaft. So the, it has the same functionality between okay. both. Just a little looms. different scale. And a different scale, exactly. And if you're going to buy a, a floor loom, like let's say you love it, you are all in, you want to do all the things, a floor loom, I believe that I got mine used for about 1500 Now, here is the beauty of weaving, is that once you buy it, you have it. There's no... There's no it's uh, upgrading. There's no, I always talk about the fact that if the power goes out, that I can still weave. That, that, that I need, I don't have to plug into anything. There's there is no, something to be said for that. And no robotics, no computer to break right. down, no software to update. <laughs> exactly. Yes, there's none of that. Um, or if in the case of the zombie apocalypse, you're going to want to know me because I can make fabric. That's <laughs> Especially if you live Andy. in a cold climate, and you kind of do, and right. so do I. <laughs> right. exactly. We're exactly going to need that fabric. Right. Yes. Well, yes. we all need clothes. So, so with weaving, then, once you once you have a loom, once you have shuttles, you're set. Now, that is not to say that uh, most weavers don't have more than a loom or two. It is, uh, it is a real thing that all of a sudden they start to multiply in your dining room and suddenly contains a loom instead of a table. So it's, <laughs> that's a real thing. That, that's funny. I, I'm just picturing it. Yeah. So, yes. of course, our listeners are not seeing this, but I get to see your background as we're recording, and I just see piles and piles and piles of books, and I'm a reader, too. So this is extracurricular, but for extra credit, yeah. maybe. But what kind of Absolutely. books do you love to read? Oh, I tend to be someone who likes uh, two very different types of books. I... I always love to be learning something. So uh, definitely business books, marketing books. Uh, a friend and I are currently working on writing a book. So we're, uh, we're going through a book on how to do a book proposal. But on the other, on the flip side then, I love a book with a happy ending. I love a romance. I love some fluff. For me, um, life is hard enough not to have a book with a happy ending. That that is mostly my uh, that is mostly my philosophy. But yes, I like any variety of um, how-to books. I think they're they never go out of style, and and I like to always be stretching myself and learning new things. True. Are you a podcast or audible book listener, or do you like to hold the thing in your hands? I be careful ooh, what you say here because you're on both. the podcast. Right? I know. B <laughs> both, I would say. Yes. I I tend to be, um, like, I, I'm at my library twice a week, probably. I like I like to have a book in my hands. 
Uh, but I have really enjoyed podcasts over the last couple of years, I would say. My uh, my friend Laura was into it long before I was, and she would always talk about listening to podcasts. And I was, I was like, I don't know about this podcast thing. And then sure enough, a couple of years ago, I really started to get into them. So um, they, they have their own charm, and there's something very different about hearing someone talk to you versus reading on a page. It's a very different experience. So, it so yes, is. I like them both. Yay. Yeah. Okay, so here's yeah. a piece of trivia for you, a trivia question. I, I just learned last week, and I have been reading all my life, but I just yeah. learned last week that a mystery that is kind of lightweight with humor in it is called a cozy. Did you know that? It's a I genre. I know that. It's a genre of books. They're called cozies. Wow. So there you go. I love it. I didn't know that. I learned something new every day, Susan. Thank you. I mean, I don't know if it's an official term or not, but it seems like since I read that in one place, I've bumped into it in several different places. Maybe I've seen it over the years and just didn't know what I was, you know, didn't recognize it for what it was. But anyway. Right. So I there you that. go. See? Okay. Oh, perfect. What else? Um, do you want to tell our listeners about places where they can find you? You've talked about your um, Facebook oh. Live, but maybe underline again the name of that and your YouTube channel for folks that maybe are interested in getting into weaving and perhaps even what would be a good YouTube episode to start with, if you know that off the top of your head. See, all good questions. I have a website, actingcreative.net, where there's a whole bunch of little things included there, including the um, handwoven experience video uh, pages or show notes that go with that. There's a little bit of retail, a lot more about me, information about, there's some freebies there that you can always pick up. And I would say, uh, yes, the YouTube handwoven experience is kind of where I send folks to get a good little taste of what it's like to uh, work with me and hang out with me. And as far as a single episode to start, that's a good one. I have a or maybe topics playlists. to start with. What's that? Or maybe just topics to start with. But playlist sounds like you're headed in the right direction. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I have a couple of different playlists. And they're broken up into categories like dressing the loom, or weaving fabric, or weavers. I have one that uh, is a uh, five signs you could be a weaver. Uh, that sounds, talking about that sounds characteristics. Good. <laughs> yeah, characteristics of uh, a lot of the weavers that I meet, what they have in common, and and I try to always include a lot of resources, their ideas for um, how if you are facing troubles on your end, places you can go to find the answers. You can always ask me. I try to always be available for folks. Uh, like I said, my kind of core mission is really to get people weaving. And uh, I want to make sure that it's as kind of simple as possible and easy to follow uh, just so you get to the good parts. There's, you know, dressing, it's called dressing the loom is when you set up the loom. And uh, there's a lot of different theories on how to do that. And uh, one of the things I'm working on is coming up with a, a system for that that is just nice, straightforward, and simple, and easy to follow, because you have to get through that part to get to the weaving mm -hmm. part of it. Like so many crafts, there's this prep that goes into it before right. you really get to the magic of it. And dressing the loom is that for every weaver. And uh, many weavers have a kind of love-hate relationship with that. I don't mind it so much. I kind of like 
the challenge of going step by step and taking the yarn from a, a cone or a tube of yarn into the loom and getting it set up uh, appropriately for whatever project I'm working on. I kind of like it, but I do understand that it is hours of your time. The quickest you do it is about three hours, honestly. So, really? Even for a small project? So yeah. Even for a small project, yes. Yes, when I was doing art fairs on a regular basis, I would always take my table loom with me as a demonstration loom. And uh, there were times I was setting up that table loom once a week. And even as quick as I was, about three hours is about, that's wow. about the quickest I could do it. Yeah, there's just a number of steps that go through and you need to thread the yarn through certain places. And, and, and I don't say all that to, to scare people or make it sound intimidating, but my role as an instructor and especially working with beginners is to make sure that they're not freaked out by that so they get past that part and get to the really magical part of tossing the shuttle and seeing this piece of fabric just emerge it's really mm -hmm. amazing well i would imagine that's one of the characteristics of a weaver much like other crafts, you, you you know, certain personalities lend themselves. There are certain people that are great at counted cross stitch and certain ones like me that would just rather hit themselves over the thumb with a hammer, you know, <laughs> but, teeth out, huh? <laughs> exactly. So I think for a weaver, you, you know, you have to have a certain methodical, like you've got to be willing to do something that's methodical and a bit painstaking, right? For the beauty that will result. So cool. Good to know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Well, this has been incredibly informative and weaving is a craft I have never tried. I've tried many, but not that one. So hopefully it's not like counted cross stitch. I would love to give it a try. If I'm ever in your neck of the woods, can I come over and just watch? Please. You have a standing invitation, Susan. Just come on over and knock on the door. We'll do it. And actually first I'll join the Facebook group and have a look there because I think that would be a great way to, to be introduced. So thank you so, yeah. so much for joining me. But before we go, do you have a little nugget of, I always say wisdom, but you know, don't get too um, intimidated by that, but a little nugget you'd like to share with our listeners. So it can be about life. It can be about crafting. It can be about opportunities and learning, whatever you like that you'd like to leave with us. You know, one of the things that I've really learned being a weaver over the last hmm, 16 years now is that as much as there are rules and there's a method and step-by-step -step process to everything, it is just as important to take some time to play, to see where the wind blows you, to try things, to follow that little voice that says, what if, what if instead of using the colors that I know will work, I'll try something crazy and outside of the box. Or what if I space them closer or farther apart than I might normally? I think it's so important to give yourself that time to explore and to be an adventurer in your own craft because weavers can take themselves very seriously and that's all fine and good. However, it is meant to be creative and that creativity and, and that fun lives in the spontaneity that happens when you let yourself just explore. What if I did this? Or what if I tried this? And you never know what that can lead to. So many of my projects have been catapulted off of the few minutes that I played on the last project. So I think it's so important 
that as much as you have to have structure, you also have to have that time to be a kid and just toss it in there and see what sticks, see what happens. Wise, wise words. (laughs) Well, thanks again. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much, Susan. This has been a blast. I appreciate it. And thank you for tuning into the show. Don't forget to check out the show notes for any of the links that were mentioned throughout the interview. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcast or the podcast app of your choice. It really does help other listeners to find the show so they can enjoy and be encouraged by these stories too. I would also love to hear from listeners who'd like to nominate a crafter with a story to tell. So whether it's you or a friend, let me know. Email me at info at stitchedbysusan.com. And don't forget to CC the interviewee. So until next time, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted. <laughs>